I won more premierships alone than the other he 19 managers. He has created an absolute Boys, we are here to rant. James, we have to do justice before we just slide right into the top four. I didn't want to get off track. This, this is one of the best title races of all time. Good afternoon, and Patrick. You're in a really heated race to finish in the top four. And you trot out a B team. What do they need? What on earth? I don't have an option. I'm talking World Wow. Welcome. Welcome. To Prem de la Prem. Welcome back to Prem de la Prem. If you're still with us, you deserve some kind of medal. It's the Spurs Summer Roundtable Series with esteemed recurring guest Mark and new guest Thomas uh, who's here to offer his uh, alternative viewpoints on all things Spursy we also obviously have the all or nothing documentary to pepper in with our very intimate views of Harry Kane Hyun uh, Min Son Josie Mourinho the rest of the squad and extra points to you fans at home if you can figure out what the technical difficulty was I think we pulled it off pretty smoothly but uh, you know hit us up on the side if you can figure out what it was and we'll give you some kind of prize without further ado here we are sending it in to the Spurs Roundtable. Welcome you all on to a very Spursy edition of the Prem de la Prem Roundtable series. Um, counterintuitively, they both showed up today, so we've got a little <laughs> bit of the new. We've got a little bit of the new and the old, and that's not a shot at Mark's age. Uh, we have a James. We have a former. Guest. We haven't even started yet. We have former guest Mark, who you, you guys all know and love, and we know and love, and we're so happy to have him back. How are you doing, Mark? Yeah, good, mate. How are you? Good. Hello, boys. Good. I'm glad. I'm glad you're still sticking on the line. I, yeah, you know. Yeah, I had still to. here. And then in new guest alert for Prem de la Prem, we've got Thomas, Ooh. a fellow uh, coworker, dear friend from America, to give a separate a separate perspective <laughs> on Spurs. America. Hi, everyone. Yeah, well, well was... thank you guys both for coming on. Um, we're really excited for this one. I, I Patrick and I have a, a rule that. Neither of us can be the heel at the same time. Someone needs to be in control of the podcast while someone else takes shots. But I think it's going to be put to the test today. So we'll see how it yeah. goes. Yeah, already. We haven't even started talking about Spurs and the shots are firing. So, <laughs> yeah. yeah, I guess well, I'm keeping it going. We gave you guys a little bit of a rundown of how we're going to go. Obviously, towards the end, we want to we want to hear from you as far as your predictions and your your hot takes uh, going into the season. We had some good ones from you, Mark, last season. Um, but I think we'll start off we'll start off with our flaw and order segment, where we're going to put you guys to the test and have you stand trial on some of our our um, I guess our, our our questions and musings around Spurs. And I think the first one to go off of. As a fan of a former Mourinho team, <laughs> help us understand what his strategy was last season and the way he's setting up his team and what he wants to accomplish. Because it was, it was unclear. Well, uh, I had to start broad. Sure. Uh, so I'll, I'll offer up a take first, and it's um, uh, two things. Uh, I think he. Uh, I think he realized there was something wrong with the culture at the club, so he decided to go in all guns blazing and change the culture. Uh, I think he may have learned a lesson or two in piety from his time at Manchester United. Not sure on that, but he seems to have reined a few things in. But I think ultimately he saw it as a culture problem. And the other thing was is we were shipping goals. And, um, you know, I think the, the biggest pill to swallow as a Spurs fan is do you want to win games or do you want to watch great football? And uh, we haven't been watching great football, I'll just say. So, yeah. yeah I'll, I'll agree with all that. I think, yeah, I think he came in and inherited a, a squad that I don't think is short on talent, but definitely was very short on confidence. I think the runner results were masked, obviously, by the run in Europe the year before. 
uh, I think there was just some some basics he had to put in, and I, I think I think there was some shifts of like, how do we get a club that that looks for, like you said, we want to win or do we want to play, do we want to play nicely. I don't think we were doing either before he got in, and now we're we're starting to win at least. The results are showing up, so I, I agree. It was just shoring things up, and I think getting through the season um, and starting to lay some foundation. So I'm, it's, you know, it's... I'm, I'm I'm hopefully optimistic for this next season now. It's interesting you say that because Mark, when we had when we had you on last year, you said you had a, a pretty similar through line about uh, you know how that Champions League run, as spectacular and as exciting as it was, you know, reversing all the ties in the two-legged format, of course, before uh, you know making it all the way to the end, really masked a lot of the problems in the team, and you know that, that Spurs probably overperformed. It's crazy to even think. Just I mean, twenty twenty has been quite the year, but we started this team with Pochettino as the manager, and we've completely gone on to this are you are you back in Mourinho right now are you still kind of in that un, uneasy water like what are your expectations kind of for um, like his evolution of the squad going into the next season as, as it's resolved around style of play do you expect that to, to pick up or do you expect a very Mourinho grind out results kind of squad going into next year uh do you know, it's just, it's interesting. Obviously, I've, I've been made aware of two statistics recently that sort of, I think, point to what might be, you know, something that's going forward. First one is, I didn't realize Spurs had managed to go a year without an away win last year until yeah. they got there. Yeah, until that's they got there. That's one that creeps up on you. Yeah, um, <laughs> which was crazy. Um, and then the other one was that I, I learned that Mourinho has never had a team win a game I, hold on, I, might, I don't want to get this wrong, 4-0 or 5-0. He'd never had a 4-0 or 5-0 result. And in other words, no Mourinho team had ever scored four or five goals in a game, right? In the Premier League, right? So maybe with even, Porto Even back to the Chelsea days. Even back to the Chelsea days. So, and the reason why I know these is obviously because Amazon had just put this uh, show out and they mentioned it. Um, but uh, in terms of whether or not you back him or not... Um, I'm entire. I'm w- completely willing to let him have a crack because one, I'm not the chairman, and two, um, he's a. Uh, I don't know. He's definitely an interesting character, and I'm interested to see. He he thinks he's learned something, and um, he was a good manager. He's got results. He's won things, and um, yeah, I think to answer your question, Patrick, uh, I am willing, as a fan, to get behind him and the team. And I hope he does change some things because some things did need to be changed. But I also don't want to gloss over the fact that Pochettino got us to a Champions League final. That's, right. you know, that's the thing. Well, and so letting him go, I think, was an emotional moment. And, uh, you know, Levy has to take the blame for that by having two transfer windows with no purchases. Like, it was crazy. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. I mean, I think... You know, by all rules of what we've done over the last, I don't know, five years even, it's it's been against, if you look at, you know, it's there's a bit of regression in the mean, right? If you look at wage bill, transfer spend, like, we shouldn't have been punching where we were in a lot of ways. So I think seeing some of that and with no refreshment in the squad, you know, I think even the signings that we've added this year, you're, you can see just how much of an impact that potentially already has and how much we were lacking. Just getting a proper center midfielder in, like, those <laughs> things. Like, I, So I think, you know, in a lot of ways, I think the energy was just low, and Poch just took it where it could go. And I think you just started seeing, you know, I think that there's a bit of a rejuvenation I think is happening. And mm-hmm. I, you know, I'm and I'm optimistic too. I'll get behind Mourinho. You know, it, he's here to deliver results, and I think things look promising. Um, you know, I just hope it's not scorched earth the way it, 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 his, his history has shown him in other clubs because he's not known. <laughs> he's he's already strongly. He's in the kind of club like we, we're not united. We can't recover and come out and we don't have 200 million pounds to spend in two summers to refresh so i think it's like there's a little bit of that caution but you know so far i'm still still optimistic and just even looking at it's hard for me to pinpoint what what's what is the squad this year but looking at the depth Mm -hmm. we have and the options i think i i really hope that he's able to to adapt with that and and make it work but i i'm I'm backing him and I'm, i'm optimistic He's already strongly renounced uh, Chelsea. He's cut all ties since joining Spurs. So yep. you'd, you'd have to think if he ever makes the trip over to uh, to the Emirates, then uh, he'll oh, be he's... he'll be quick to put Spurs behind him as well. There, yeah, no, he's there's no chance he's come to the Emirates. I I would just the podcast <laughs> would end. It would be over. I, I just couldn't. Yeah. I'd spontaneously combust if he came to the Emirates. But um, that was that was an interesting point and a good segue into the next 
topic. You know, when when this marriage first happened, my first reaction, and I believe many others, is Mourinho's attitude and ambition and how public he is about what he needs and what he doesn't have does not necessarily align with historically what what Levy has been you know willing to spend. And and you mentioned those two other transfer windows. Yeah, I think a couple of prudent buys have so far, uh, but you know, talking about improving the squad, looking forward to next year, is is Doherty really is Doherty the solution at right back? Is he really that much of an upgrade over RA? You know, feel free to challenge that, of course. And then is is the Hoiberg is that the big signing of the summer, or is there is there more to come? I mean, I, I'm I'm guessing that we're probably rolling in with this is it. This is what we're rolling in with. There might be one more. I, I don't I don't know if we're coming in if we're gonna splash big big money for backup striker, which we probably would need, but you know, it's not it's not a it's not ideal window like compared to some of the other teams, but I think getting a center midfielder and getting some rotation at right back. We've even seen Jetson starting to play there. I, I think there's there's at least depth now. And I think there's different ways he's been able to set up even in preseason, whether it's running back three and and, and trying some different things out. So I, I think there's there's a little bit more flexibility than we might have had mm-hmm. last season. I'm still hoping that Ndombele comes good. I'm, I'm not sure where that stands, but I, I think there's there's at least depth. But I'm, I'm curious where, where Mark's head's at with this. Yeah, I think, um, I think Doherty is a great buy. I actually think mm-hmm. he's an excellent buy. I think it is agent for the money they spent. I think he's done really well. I was surprised Wolves sold him. So I think that's a good buy. Uh, the Hoijberg one, I mean, he's the type of player we absolutely needed. 100%. Um, because um, Harry Winks should never be a defensive midfielder or at the base of a diamond ever again. And I hope he he's never just, is. He's just got the strong body that can really oh, uh, command a... guy. <laughs> you know, the thing, the thing is, you're right. And I think, you know, the thing about Harry Winks is he bleeds spurts. He's, you know, he's, a, he's an academy product and all the rest. But I tell you what, he was asked to do something he can't do. And, uh, I thought Harry Winks was also in one direction for the longest yeah. time. <laughs> right, he's a good-looking kid, isn't he? I mean, let's be honest. I mean, I'm older, I can make that comment about being a good-looking kid, I guess. But, um, the, um, I mean, the, you know, the interesting thing about the right-back and the other situation is, you know, not to derail it, hopefully not, but Mourinho does some strange things. And one is, uh, last season, talking about Doherty, his persistence with Serge Aurier as being the attacking outlet was dumbfounding and you, mm-hmm. when you've got when you've got Ryan Sessegnon on the other side who could have played left back right and been the attacking left back as the outlet instead of Uria I just don't know why that didn't happen ever I don't know why he didn't even look at that but um Hoijberg I think is an important one because with all that flair we didn't really have any grafters and I, I see Hoij I was watching Hoijberg last night in the Denmark um Belgium game and he is a grafter he really is he's like he runs for runs for days and I think we needed that player so two great so, yeah. signings and um let's not talk about Joe Hart <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> but, but yeah I agree with all I think there's also just a bit of he brings a bit of nastiness which I think we've yeah. and I think this yeah. you know if, if you want to believe the narrative that they're setting up in the show I do buy it a bit there's a, a lack of a little bit of that nastiness and I think having him come back in that it's something we've missed and I think Dyer was able to do that when he was actually performing on the field, but I don't think he's been anywhere near his form in 2016 for a while. So I think it just there there hasn't been that presence which I think he brings, and I, and I think it'll show through the season. I think that there are uh, th- those are good points, and, and I I do think that while they're not you know world beaters, I think that they're very very strong signings for Spurs. I think that they're very Mourinho-esque players, if you will. I think guys that will get stuck in, they'll do a job. And I think that they will kind of outperform in the team, you know, kind of quote unquote against their, you know, attributes, if that makes sense. Uh, I don't know if you guys caught the, um, the, the, uh, I don't, it wasn't the Doherty announcement, but Spurs put out something on, uh, on Twitter or Instagram or something like that, where he was basically deleting tweets of him being an old Arsenal fan. Mm-hmm. I thought that was, I thought that was pretty good, pretty good work. Just address it in a funny, yeah. funny fashion. But uh, that, in, in any case, uh, I, I think we can transition from, you know, the squad that's coming in. If you guys think this is it, you know, that's kind of what we expected, just knowing what Spurs do. And you know, is this squad good enough to take that step forward into the Champions League places this year? Who needs to step up? Is health? I mean, the depth is obviously a concern. Uh, that it's been a concern uh, for a while with some of the injuries. 
what are what are those expectations around? You know, I, I would say you know Bergwin has a big year ahead of him. Ali maybe even has a, a big year ahead of him. Dyer just got a new contract, which I know uh, you know James is a bit a bit upset about. So you know, walk me through the current squad and who's who's going to take a step forward this season. Um, okay, I'll go first for that one. I, I think I remember last year to asking, telling, well, speaking to you guys, and I was saying about I wonder what sort of player Deli Ali is going to be this year. Mm-hmm. And I think that question still hasn't been answered based on last year. And I think that um, I think my worry about the squad, if you like, is um, we've got a few um, we've got a few players who I think are technically skillful, but are not really necessarily direct or they're ponderous. And I think that Lamella being my favourite one in on that regard, like mm. he can do great stuff with the ball, but the guy seems to take an age to do anything. And I think that. Um, you know, the way Mourinho plays, there's going to be a lot more emphasis on the fast break. So I look for the players who can do the fast break and do who can do the counter well. And I think that um, in the current squad, what I'm hoping for this year is, well, I still think Hyungmin Son is possibly, I know he's not underrated, but he is not given the credit he deserves. I think he is a great, great player. And I think he is, a, you know... Mm-hmm. Um, I would love to see whatever formation he comes out with that Son pushes up more onto Harry's shoulder rather than being tucked away on the left. I just, you know, I think the guy can finish. Um, and I think that, you know, in the current squad, what am I excited about? I, I've got a prediction for you. My bold prediction is Eric Dyer becomes the, um, at least the second best current England centre-back of the season. I think he's going to be stellar. I think he's got the character and he's got the balls to be a really like a really good old fashioned British centre back who can actually still pass. He's not very mobile, but I think he can be, you know, next to Harry Maguire. Um and I think that um I think that if he pushes Harry Winks up the pitch to play the eight, I think you'll see a much better season from him. But I've got to say, I'm worried about Deli Alley. He's the one that worries me. Mm. Yeah. Besides that quick run of games he had last year, I agree. You thought you thought Mourinho had had him back, but he he looks like Deli Ali's brother again. Unfortunately. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, he's the one where I don't know where he fits in. I, I'm still also perplexed if he's going to persist with Lucas the way he did. I like Lucas, but I just don't think he should be starting. I think Bergwijn mm-hmm. just gives us more, and that in being able to take on players. Totally agree with Son. I think he's been probably unsung and probably one of our most important players, if not the most important players. He's when Kane's been out over the last few years, he's always come through. So I'd love, yeah, love to see him playing a little bit more century, a little bit more direct. I think to your point, a lot of ponderous players, Son is not one of them. He's one of the ones who's mm-hmm. incisive. He's the one you watch him and there's, he's, there's a purpose to what he's doing. Um, yeah. He's, he's always, sure, he's always sure. grafting. He's running a hundred yards to clear a ball off in a friendly, like, I mean that there, he, he, I think getting most more out of him is going to be key this season. Um, yeah, I, I, I'm also just wondering what, what the answer is and where the creativity comes. I think I saw a stat passed around about someone defending Ori and I, you know, I don't, I don't hate the guy, but obviously he had some of the most chances created stats, but that's by design. And I think it's just such a problem, you know, the end product just isn't always there and you can't Mm -hmm. take on the man. So I'm, I'm just curious to see how we set up and where that outlet is and how Mourinho is going to, going to shift that. I want to ask you guys about two players who haven't come up yet. First and foremost, someone who's not there and someone who is is present in the team, but clearly not in Mourinho's sunny side. Um, Christian Eriksen obviously left in January. That was a big point on the uh, All or Nothing show as well. And you've got this player in Tangi and Dombele, and I'm not trying to make the comparison of them being the exact same, but I am curious, what is the plan to replace this role? Because I don't, I look at the team. It's not Lacelso. Maybe it's not Ndombele. Who is who is the creative outlet for this team in the number ten? Is it meant to be Deli Ali, or what's kind of happening in that position? Um, well, Lo Celso, the heir apparent is not apparent. Yeah, well, I think I think Lo Celso showed enough last year that he could be that guy, um, and. Uh, you know we've got we've got the natural affinity with Argentinian players at Spurs, and I like mm-hmm. I like his stock. He's a good. He's you know, I think the Chelsea's got a, got a shot. I just I think you make you make a good point. It was um, we mentioned this last year again. How I, I I remember talking about how Ericsson turned off a little bit in the Champions League running. Yeah, and you could just see the 
the contract thing with him and everything. And you know, the funny thing is, is the same thing happened with Vertonghen this year. I think Vertonghen lost a step. Um, and, uh, you know, I don't want to go back to the documentary. We'll, we'll leave that. But um, I don't think Ndombele is the answer. I think Ndombele could be a great player. I actually wouldn't give up on him yet. I'd give him another half season just to see what he does. Um, but yeah, look, Ericsson was, um, I just don't know. I feel sad for him because he's gone to Inter and he's just not doing anything there either. And the, the rumour is, is that he's out at Inter already. So, really? Oh, yeah. I don't know if you've seen that. They're talking about him being out already. So it's not, um, I don't know. I don't know what happened to him. I don't know. I'm sad about it because like he was, he was a great player for us for years. He really was. So, for so long. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, I'm saying it's in Dom, it, sorry, I'm saying it's Lo Celso at the moment and I'm saying it could, be, could have been Ali, but I don't know where Ali's head is right now. Just, uh, don't know. Yeah, I agree with that. I mean, I think, I think at our best last, I mean, and again, it's playing that classic counterattacking Mourinho f- football. I mean, at, at points when we, when we looked dangerous last year, I and mean, this is not a sustainable thing. I think it was literally Sissoko giving an eight yard ball to Lo Celso. Mm-hmm. turn and, and transition but yeah he's the one player who you want the ball in, at his feet in the way that we want to play he's the one who can i think link from defense to, to attack really quickly so i think he's going to be crucial I, i'm just trying to sort I, and mark i'm curious your, your take on this like what what does that midfield look like is it is it hoiberg winks lachelso the three of them is that is that what you think is going to be what we're going to when we have all available that we go with yeah, uh, that's a it's a good point. I think that um, I think that all right. Mourinho's got to work out whether or not he does want to give Ndombele a crack or not. Because if he waits, let's say Ndombele sits on the bench for the first month, then he's leaving in January. There's just no point. He's not gonna like he's not gonna give the guy a run at it. So I, I think the only reason to keep Ndombele is because you're gonna try and play him. And I think that. In that instance, I think it's Winks who goes to the bench, I think. But I think Winks himself deserves a chance to not play at the base of the diamond. It's just not its not for him. Remember, um, who was it? It was, um, was it three or four years ago when Winks had the man of the match performance against Madrid in the, Champion- yeah, in the Champions League game? And they were all saying that he was the new Iniesta, right? Right there and then, the Spanish press. Iniesta did not play at the base of the diamond, and I know he's not Iniesta, and he's they never going to be the same thing Iniesta. about Wilshire when he turned up at sure. the new camp. Well, sure, yeah, but well, <laughs> you know what? It's, it's exactly the same thing in it. It's like, yeah. um, you know, it's. Uh, I, I think you know to answer your you know answer your point, Thomas. I think it's. Uh, I think you're right with those three, but if if he's serious about giving Ndombele a crack, it's got to be from day one of the season. Like you've got to put him in the first eleven because I think if you don't. And you put that guy on the bench, he will sit on the bench for the rest of the year and that's that. And then you've lost your 50 mil you've spent on him. That's what I think. Yeah, it, it's, it seems there's a crisis of confidence with that guy. And I don't know. He doesn't seem to be the type of player that responds to prove it. I think he needs he, he needs that soft touch. Yeah, that, yeah. Well, he needs a little bit of that. You need to give him the confidence first. And I, I, I don't see Mourinho as that type of manager, which is, I think, what right. Spurs fans have been very worried about from the off with that one. And I, I just, I always looked at them and I said, our best midfield probably has him in there, but it's, I just don't, I think you know what Winks is going to give you. And, and Dombele, as great as he is, every game I've seen, he's always due for one little lapse. And I, I would risk it personally and run it. And I think, but I feel like Mourinho does, I don't know if he has the trust in him. And I think he wants, he wants reliability out of almost most players on the pitch to do exactly what he wants them to do. And I think maybe yeah. that's, that's part of it where, how how many players does he want to give a free role a free role to, if you will, in a Mourinho system, especially in the center of his midfield? That's I think that's kind of a bit of the rub. Like I don't know if he would go out and buy him. I think he's inheriting no. him, right? Right. Yeah, it's a great point. point. And I do think, yeah, I mean, there's because what what, what always stands out to me, or what stood out to me a lot, was like um, honestly, you you mentioned Lamella. I know that he has his his uh, deficiencies going forward. But he puts in a shift, and he, I think that Mourinho values that immensely, that somebody's going to put in an absolute shift, be a nuisance. Uh, and, 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 and Dombele just, I mean, there's obviously concern about his fitness and you know all, all of that. Um, but he is quality. I believe he scored in a, on his debut, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, he's got a lot, of, a lot of really strong technical skills. I mean, I think he could be a quality player, but it just doesn't, the marriage doesn't seem right with him and Mourinho. So, uh, Mark, I, I completely agree. Uh, but yeah, this is 
I mean, is there an element of let's let's see if we can get some good form out of him to sell him a little bit higher than we would right now, given that we haven't really seen that. Uh, but keeping him, maybe it's just squad depth. I don't know. There, it seems like there must be a plan, though. There must be a plan with with something to not just offload him this summer. Yeah, I, you know, I, uh, I'd love to, I'd love to say you're right and that there is a plan. I'm not sure that there was. I think he got in there halfway through the season and just was trying to work out what he could work out. But I remember, I don't, I can't remember the team that they played. There was one game where Mourinho got absolutely carpeted by the press for pulling in Dombele at halftime. Mm. I can't remember what it was. And they, they, all the, all the analysts were, were, you know, Jamie Carragher and the rest were gunning for Mourinho at this point. And then some bloke came up with the statistic about how many kilometers Ndombele had run in that first half. And it was something like, you know, everyone else in the Spurs team had like run six and he had run three. And that that was yeah. sort of given as the reason as to why they pulled him. And um, I think what happened with him is I think he's come from Leon, and he's suddenly gone from 20 grand to 200 grand, a, a, you know, a week. And I think he's just gotten a little, I think he's just gotten a little lazy and happy. I mean, I'll, I'll call it as it is. I think he's, you know, I don't... He's a great. He, where Ndombele is good is receiving the ball on the turn, left foot and right foot, spinning left, spinning right. He can create his own space better than any other player on that team. Full stop. But can he be asked mm-hmm. to move around, track back, track the ball? Can he be mobile once he's made his pretty pass? Can he get on his bike and actually run yeah. a, run twenty ten or twenty meters? He can't. So I think the last team you'd want to be yeah. put in, and is that's, a I mean, team. that goes to my point. And when when yeah. we were seeing yeah. it at its best, right? Lacelso was was the one making those turns, and you know, oh, sorry. Um, so Lacelso was the one making the making the turns, um, you know, linking up, and he he was able to transition. And in a way, I think what you just described and how how Ndombele plays, there's another player in the side who who similarly can make the turn quickly and, and transition. But then is also putting in a shift, and I think that's why it's hard to see where he fits in. Yeah, yeah. Mourinho just doesn't generally have a luxury player like that in a, in a midfield. As much as it's, I'd love to see it. It's just not how I don't think how he sets up. It's a funny. Yeah, com- yeah go ahead. I was just gonna say it's a funny comparison. Like I think about just to touch on it in Dombele and and his tendencies, it actually reminds me a lot about Paul Pogba. And Mourinho and Paul Pogba were like this, where creating space and and moving the ball upfield, obviously not on the same caliber of player. Uh, But it's it's something you can't replace in that team if you take him off the field. But you have to be able to to live with some of the defensive deficiencies. Like Paul Pogba gives me me nightmares when he turns to receive a ball right in front of the back four because he's so easy to give it up, give up possession, or unwilling to track back and get on his bike. And the last team you want to be in, if that's the case, is a Mourinho team who values hard work. And I think he said it in in the documentary. He was like, I will like you if you just... It wasn't this, but it was this. It was, I'll like you if you do what I say. You know, if you just follow orders and play for the team, we're going to be just fine. Um, and, and that's kind of come through um, in his time as, at Spurs as well. Yeah, it's a fair point. Uh, James, you want to get into the uh, your, fun little, your fun little segment here? I do. I, uh, I actually have one more question before that, just because we haven't really spoken about him either. Uh, he, I call him the, the pseudo-captain because I do, I do acknowledge that Hugo Lloris is still technically the, the club captain of Spurs somehow. But Harry Kane, I want to talk to you guys about Harry Kane. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to lay this out on the line first, just on a side note, and say that I think Heung-Min Son is the best player at Spurs. I think he is the best player above Harry Kane. And uh, I don't know if you guys would agree with that. But my question here is, we were talking just now with our our uh, Aston Villa fan about Jack Grealish and the value that you could receive for him and what in turn that could do for your club. Like, let's say you sell him for 80 million pounds. That's three Premier League quality players you could bring in. Three Donny Vanderbeek, so to speak. Um with Harry Kane, would you ever consider moving him on for a massive sum to fill out the squad? Because I know Daniel, I mean, you see it clearly now, the, the documentary, Daniel Levy is a very shrewd and by-the-numbers businessman. Would you ever, <laughs> right, debatable, would you ever um, consider cashing in on Harry Kane and, and filling out the squad a little more? So 
can I ask you a question, James? And that is this is actually our to, podcast, Mark. I don't, I don't know. Sure, if, uh... <laughs> sure. But let me ask, let me ask you the question. Manchester United, how much are you willing to pay for Kane? And Patrick, how much is Arsenal willing to pay for Kane right now? Like, forgetting, imagine you had the money, how much would you be willing to pay for him? If we had the money? Hmm. (sighs) What do you think he's worth? It's so weird. It's like... It's like 29? No, he's 27, I think. 27? He's younger than that. Yeah. So let's say it wasn't like the one part of our, our team that was actually good. Uh, let's say Aubameyang doesn't sign the contract. I'd pay 120 for him. 120. James, what would Man you pay for him? I The way we set up our team, I would prefer Martial over him. I don't know if that's a hot take. So Answer I, the question. Yeah, I would value him. I don't know if this is a cop-out. I'd value him what they value Jack Grealish at, $80 million. Okay. So you're saying what would we do with the $80 million? Is that sort of mm-hmm. the question? Like, well, yeah. you know, what, yeah, what is he worth? I think that... I think if you sold Harry Kane, the first thing you've got to do is replace him, right? So what does 80 million get you if it's not Harry Kane? And I'm, I'm sort Arturo of thinking, Martinez, well, maybe. I mean, who, yeah. who, do, who does it get you? I, I really don't know. I'll tell you what, I would buy the Norwegian kid from Dortmund. Holland, Been yeah. down that road. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You'd have to because that's, yeah. you're basically getting maybe not the same quality, but you're getting somebody in that same realm of potential Yeah, I at think- 19. So Absolutely. you get eight years, yeah. Yeah, I think you need to you need to go younger. But what does so? I, I actually think here's the problem: Spurs don't. Let's just say you sell Harry Kane to promote Hyung Min Son to be the main striker. Maybe that's one possibility. Where do you spend be a the system eight, change? Probably. Yeah, where would you spend the eighty million? I, I I I sort of struggle. Maybe it's that midfielder that we're talking about that we don't have. You know what I mean? Maybe we go for a striker for forty and another midfielder for forty. World class centre yeah. back. Yeah, but the other, I mean, the other thing that we could do with is, um, I think, I think any team in the Premier League which has to put Ben Davis at left back is never going to win a thing. So, I would suggest that maybe we buy a left back as well. Um, don't know what Thomas thinks. What would you do with the eighty to one hundred million? I mean, we, I, I don't think you'd like. I mean, I, I wouldn't sell him if the intention was to go get another striker. That makes it wouldn't make sense. But I, I'd agree. I think you move you you put Son at the at the center of the attack. I don't know if that works with how Mourinho wants to play. Um, but yeah, I think left back has been a sore spot for a while. I, I love gentle Ben, but you're right. I mean, he, he doesn't <laughs> offer a ton going forward. He, he has his day. He works in the system, but yeah, I mean, we, we've really fallen off at fullback. I think that's an area to invest. I think, you know, center mid has been a place we've, we've already put money, but I think getting, getting more depth there, I think would be another, would, would make a ton of sense as well. But yeah, I think I think a fullback who can who can give us more than what we've got. I I, I agree, Dorian. I'm excited about, but yeah, I think I think that I hearken back to the 2016 when we had when we had the fullback pairing that we did. And knowing what fullback the position does in the modern game, I, I agree. Having having a creative outlet, someone who can use that space and do something positive with it, I think would be a, a good place to look. But I, I mean, it would make I don't think to me it would make sense. I know we're speaking hypotheticals, but. You, you see what 80 mil gets you. you. You spend 50 on someone like Ndombele that we just spent a, a fair amount of time talking about. I, there's just no guarantees. And I think I think you've got a, a relatively sure thing in Kane. So if that's the question, I don't know if I, I don't even know if I'm selling, but yeah, yeah I've, got, I've, I've got to add for 80 million. I'm not selling. It was yeah, a bit of on. an undervalue. I mean, we're talking about a billion for Messi here. <laughs> Surely you can break the 100 million mark for Kane. The English Messi. Yeah, and I, I, I agree. I think that if there was a time to sell Kane, it would have been it would have been if uh, Pochettino left last summer, and you were going to kind of do a full rebuild around that. I think that the squad that you have is it's in this weird like middle ground. Like you need to be a little bit better to kind of compete for a title, but you're you're too far away, I think, from kind of the reset button. You know, with the yeah. age of the age of the squad, uh, especially someone uh, like like Son, like we talked about uh, buying Bergwijn, uh the the. You know, young enough center back pairings, getting Doherty, and it seems like the ambition is still to press on, uh, and then maybe, you know, you enter that place that Liverpool did uh, in a couple seasons, where if you're still not there, but you've taken steps forward and you're kind of consistently a Champions League side, do you sell Kane at you know 120 million to then bolster yeah. even further? And you don't, like we've talked about, you don't even have the squad depth really at the forward position to begin with. It's not like you have somebody you could slot in even when he gets hurt. So I think you need a little bit of a support there before you can consider moving on. Yeah, and I mean, James, you would be familiar with 
Mourinho's love of an excuse as a former manager. Um, always, I would say that, won. yeah, and I would say that last year, um, the big thing that Mourinho kept saying when Harry Kane was injured is, I don't have a striker. So if Daniel Levy wants to absolve himself of any blame this year, they need to exit this window with a backup striker. I, I just, I think they have yeah. to. I don't, I don't know how much they can spend or what they can afford, even if they go into the championship and buy the young kid from Brentford, who is pretty good. Right yeah. or someone like that. Even if they give, you know, going to the championship, who, whose yeah. core competency is that role, especially <laughs> yes, with yes. the running of fixtures we're going to have this year. Mm, mm. Right. Uh, yeah. I mean, yeah if, I mean, if ever you want to get a youngster in, like now's this is the year to do it. I think we have yeah, Europa that, um, League. There's there's so many fixtures, so I, I agree with that. Yeah, that whole um, UEFA Cup qualifying thing is a nightmare. Yeah. Well, We've got, Mark, I, I saw, I think, 20 or nine fixtures in the next 20, uh, 20 days, something like that. It's, yeah. it's an insane run. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, you know, I, this, is a, this is a thing I wanted to get your take on because you mentioned Dyer potentially stepping in as the center back. And, I, you know, I, I actually liked him there last year. I think it was unfortunate. Um, James, you and I would have watched the match, same, uh, the Pogba penalty he gave away. But I think I agree he was putting in some pretty good performances. But I was, I was kind of – laying out the, the names in the team sheet and I'm like the depth is actually pretty good if you look across the field you've got you've got a lot of squad depth I just don't know what is the best 11 does that matter with the amount of fixtures we play are we playing three at the back are we playing four I I, I can't sort what the team is still I know kind of you know yeah, the names yeah. that go and then you're like okay well what else is so it's almost like we've got 16 names that but you're not quite sure how to how to put the first 11 out I I, I yeah, I, I had a, just uh, my one thing on that is I we haven't mentioned him, but Davinson Sanchez, I think he's a absolutely top quality international centre back. You see him play for Colombia; he has managed the ma- man of the match games. He went for a period last this last season of about ten games where he wasn't timing his jumps with his headers. I've got no idea what was going on. I don't know if you remember. He was just like giving away so many goals because he was missing headers like completely by not jumping. I actually thought he needed an eye test. It was crazy. It was just like he. He just wasn't doing it. But um, I think him and Dyer, Pace and Braun, I'd love it. I think, I think they should be given a, given a decent run. You're thinking, of, you're, you're thinking of a world beyond Elder Wild at this point, even though he's... I think, um, I think if we play with three at the back, I think Elder Wild is definitely in. I saw him last night. He played for Belgium, Belgium, sorry, Belgium against Denmark last night. He looked great, actually. Elder Wild looked great. He did look good. He looked a bit more mobile. And his passing is still excellent for a centre back. Yeah, I mean he and with the speed that we want to play at at times. I mean his distribution, if you remember back, I mean it was. Yeah, to remember the the, the diagonal out from Alderweireau to Sun was so many goals that year. Do you remember that? Oh, remember that? oh yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, the glory days. He, I think he's. <laughs> incre- I think he's. I think he's very, very, very good, and I, I really hope to see him kind of return to form this year as well because I think. The difference when we have him, it, it is pomp in the team versus not. Is it, it's it's mm-hmm. it's noticeable. Yeah, and one one note to add, boys, because I know like Spurs. Let's just be honest. Spurs were shit last year. Let's just be honest. Get cut to the stage. We were shit. But I've got to say, Levy's got to assume a lot of the responsibility for all the contract situation and all that stuff for all those players. That was a lot to go through in a season, like four players coming off contract, mm-hmm. a Champions League loss. And mm. you know what I mean? Leaving Pochettino out to dry, he did. He absolutely did. That's what yeah. I think. I think he left the poor guy out to dry. Yeah. Anyway. yeah I agree I, I agree with it. I mean, as you, we don't even have to get into no, no investment, no signings. You know, having, you're right, having to inherit through contract situation, leaving the club with that much uncertainty after the run. Like, I, I, I think Levy, Levy definitely... Deserves a lot of credit for getting us where we are, but he also deserves a lot of the blame in, in some of the situations we're in. And but he, you know, he he all in a way he does he does tend to act in line with how he always acts. I mean, you, you kind of know what he's going to do, and then you look at me like, "Yep, that makes sense." It's a very levy move. He's he's getting value or squeezing what he can where he can, and I think he, even with these yeah. contracts, like he yeah. he will walk up to the line with everybody. There's- and clearly, will call your bluff or not, and sometimes it works out for us, and sometimes I think it it, it burns bridges with players. It was it was clearly a big uh, emotional hangover season, and now you're going into a season that is prime Mourinho. It's it's his second season at a club before the inevitable. Uh, I'm going to leave. 
in a in a trail of disaster third season and it's it's well on record that Mourinho's best season of his career was when he brought Manchester United to second place uh in his in his second season at United that was after a summer of some pretty terrible investment so you know maybe if you don't bring in any more players that's that's what you guys can look towards a uh a Mourinho second place finish but I'll take it yeah <laughs> yeah I'll take it yeah I mean truly that would be yeah I mean, no, I mean, I think for all but two clubs, that's a good season. We'll get yeah. to uh, we'll get to our top four rankings in a little bit, but I want to I want to take us to another game that's another form of rankings, and I actually have to give Thomas a little bit of credit on this one. I'm still working on a. I have I'm, the title is work in progress right now. I'm thinking we're not so different, you and I. So the name of the game <laughs> is. <laughs> I'm going to name three players who've played for both Spurs and United, and I thought about. Ooh. From Patrick's perspective, you can't really do this with Spurs and Arsenal. I think it's just uh, Sol Campbell. Or, or were there other notable <laughs> Adab- Spurs? Adabayor, no. Uh, oh, yeah, Adabayor. Yeah, yeah, and uh, there was another, I'm sure. Uh, right. Well, we'll do it. Oh, we'll pa- do it. Pat Spurs. Jennings. Sorry, Pat Jennings. He was a goalkeeper from years ago. Yeah. Oh, okay. Right. We'll do it. We'll do it. Spurs United for this one, and I want you guys to tell me where these players rank in your in your all-time player rankings. Uh, so these three players played for both Spurs and United, Michael Carrick, Dimitar Berbatov, Teddy Sheringham. How are you guys ranking them now that the dust has settled in your hearts and in your minds? Okay, because it's di- different answers for hearts and minds. Hearts. Oh, that's, uh, my, my first question or instinct went right there. Hearts and minds. <laughs> yeah. So for hearts... This is a heart-led podcast. Okay, so third is Carrick. Second is Sheringham. First is Berbatov. That's Hearts. Can we get some? Can we? I'm seeing. I'm seeing Thomas nod in approval. Can we get some rationale behind those? Yeah, sure. Uh, Quick rationale for me is Carrick was a decent player, but only there for two years, and he. um, uh, I I don't know. I, I think he was. He was a quality player. That's it, right? Sharing him he's, second. He's been so criminally underrated his whole career. This just makes sense. It, it's in, in yeah. tune with the narrative. But he even even probably underrated by England to a certain extent, Carrick. That's what remember? I'm saying, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, Sharing him, obviously a bit of a legend. Um, came back to the club, you know, did, did two stints at Spurs. Um, I love the fact that he was the slowest player probably to ever play professional football, but still get that many goals. Um, you know, and, um, you know, Sheringham also did well for England, but Berbatov, I mean, the guy was practically smoking a cigarette on the halfway, you know, (laughs) at the edge of the 18 yard box and still scoring the most ridiculous goals. And you know what, if you're not going to win leagues and you're not going to win cups, you're going to watch, you want to watch some good football and Berbatov, Mm -hmm. I just think he was quality. He was just, you know, um, just, yeah. One of those players that, um, yeah, you'd pay to go and watch. I mean, My, you know, yeah, I, I I wasn't born and bred with with the club, but Berbatov is one of the big reasons I ended, I I started following Spurs, and I was just like, it, it to me, if you don't like him, I'm not saying he's the greatest ever or anything by any means, but if you don't like him and what he stands for in the game, you don't like the game. Like, the guy was just very insanely like it, it was just audacious. Like, and it, he's the you've played with me. Pat and James, he's the antithesis to how I play, but that's why I love him. Yeah, uh, and it, you need to get on his Instagram. He's, I think he's an illustrator yeah. now. I, I think he's just a, he's just a character. Yeah, and you guys haven't played with me. You guys haven't played with me, but Berbatov plays exactly like how I play. <laughs> so, yeah. well, does that mean yeah. smoking a cigarette on the eighteen yard box? <laughs> you could just, you could just marvel at his takedown, not even the goals. Just, yeah. yeah. So anyway, for for, for Mark, you, he's number one in my heart for sure. I love I love, I love that you don't play like Berbatov. Berbatov plays like you. That's that thing stands out to me Thanks more than anything. Much. And, and yeah. I, you know, I'm a an Arsenal supporter, so I obviously have every reason to dislike somebody who's played for Spurs and United. And yeah, he's just a joy. He's just an absolute joy to watch. And like it, it it's um it's good enough watching the highlights now, you know. But yeah, I mean, he's he's class. Now, now, no, Thomas, why don't you walk me through the minds? Because that was the hearts. Where's the mind at? Well, the one more point on him too, which I think is like he scored a lot for United and Leverkusen. He only, I think, he only scored like twenty something goals for Spurs actually mm-hmm. over the court. There were just so many, I think, worldies where you're like, wow, this like, and he just had so many moments. 
Um, I, you know, Sheringham's a legend, and I think, but I when I really started following the game more closely, I think he was like 39 and playing for West Ham at that moment, and uh, um. So to me, like I was right. Anyone who's still playing at that level at thirty nine, I I can instem- I know what. And you said James, uh, sorry, Mark, that he's like the slowest player ever to score that that level of goals. So I just always rated him as an intelligent player. Right. Uh, obviously, he went on to achieve a lot of things. So he's probably got to be number one just in terms of his legacy, what he won, where he went. Um, I still I probably put Berbatov too. I mean, as you said, Carrick was only a few seasons. So, and I, and I think, I think people will remember Berbatov in the future. I'm not sure people will be talking about Michael Carrick in 10 years. Um, but I do, I do actually rate Carrick a lot. Um, he only gave us two years, but I think, you know, what he went on to do at United, I actually think he played a, a very pivotal role and did a lot for that team. Uh, I think we certainly could have used a player of his caliber in the center of midfield. Um, I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have minded him being there for more than two seasons, but he's got to be number three for me. From, from a United perspective, I, I don't want to play the hypocritical role because I remember very clearly when he was at United, it's one of those things like you don't appreciate it until behind you, until it's behind you, like much like Mourinho. I'm so happy he's at Spurs because I can appreciate him in all his glory and it's not at United. It's the best. It's a win-win for me. Um, with Berbatov, he was the antithesis of a United player, which was strong, swift, powerful counterattacks. And he'd receive the ball, pick it up, and do about like five juggles in the center field and like twirl around and, and just really slow up the play. But, and, and, and that almost was the lasting memory, my lasting memory, and a lot of United fans in the moment, you, you miss things like the hat trick he scored against Liverpool, two of which I think were like overhead kicks. And just amazing, amazing goals. Um, and I remember he got benched for the 2011 Champions League final against uh, Barcelona. And he doesn't seem like a guy who cries, but he notably said he he cried when he got left out of the starting lineup. So that definitely affected him a lot. But I didn't, I didn't, I didn't mourn that decision. I thought it was the right decision. Um, so he, in the moment, he was a really, really frustrating player. But I think I would agree with your guys' ranking. Actually, I would still put Berbatov at the top just the way you're able to look at things in hindsight, like with my heart. I, I love that player and, and, and the flair that he brought. I think I would put Carrick second just because I felt – it feels like he's more of a United player than a Spurs player, right, Michael Carrick? Yeah. yeah I mean, he's doing so. a – you know that whole um, – there's a lot of Premier League footage of the assistant manager sitting on the bench next to the manager just agreeing with everything that the manager says at the moment. Michael yeah. Carrick does that superbly next to Ole at the minute. Oh, he I just, mean, you just got to make sure yeah. you have a job. Yeah. You just got to make it. It's just, so we had yeah, a, I, we, I was just going to say, we had a laugh at this on the city podcast. Uh, Pep does not like his new assistant manager. And he just, uh, he looks wistfully over at Mikel Arteta on the, uh, on the opposite side <laughs> of the bench while this guy next to Pep is just chewing his ear off. Well, Yeah. Yeah. So we talked about the podcast many, many a time. Um, sorry, the documentary, not the podcast. We're on the podcast. First and foremost, uh, whatever the opposite of ready to run through a brick wall is, uh, I think applies to Harry Kane's uh, locker room speeches. <laughs> what the hell? I-, I like how by the third episode, Mourinho's like, okay, I'll-, I'll take this one. I'll do this one. All right, guys, gather around. What what was what do you guys think about Harry Kane's locker room persona? <laughs> hey boys, it's West Ham. It's West Ham boys. Come on, boys, let's fucking do it now. Let's run football. Let's go. Yeah. <laughs> That's all I needed to hear. I love it. Um. Um. So uh, yeah. You know what? He's a hero, mate. So uh, at the end of the day, he can actually say what the fuck he wants. <laughs> and he's on great money, so he's obviously yeah. doing something better than me. Yeah. So yeah. No, but I guess the question he's, is—he's more of a lead by example kind of guy than lead by speaking. Is is my yeah, take? Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, just on that, it's an interesting one. Just quickly, I think teams with goalkeepers as captains, bad, and I think Spurs, their whole captaincy regime, bad. I think. I agree. 
I, I don't think Harry is a great captain. I think he's a great player. I, don't, I think he's a lead by example. And I think Hugo is a terrible captain. We need... Hopefully they give it to someone like... If Hoiberg starts throwing his weight around getting a few yellows and red cards, I'd make him captain. Good on we're getting, him. We're getting pretty if, meta. If you had to go back, who would you who would you put the armband on? Go back, as in to old days. Whenever you gave Lloris the armband, yeah. Oh, last five years. Oh, my goodness. Um... That's a hard one, isn't it? Say it's like a, uh, oof. Uh, well, mm, God. And maybe not last. That's a hard seasons, one. That is actually a real hard question. Vertonghen maybe was the first name yeah. that came to my mind. If it wasn't going to be Kane, yeah, maybe five years ago. One, one um, of the Belgian um, centre backs, maybe. Yeah. Right. Luka Modric, obviously. Mm. If we go back that far. But right. it's funny, we've not really had the on-pitch, the obvious guy. We've never had him, you know. And I don't think Hugo, you know, is, to be fair. I've, I've never been a fan of goalkeepers as captains. Sorry, James, a t- complete segue. Yeah, no, no. I, I, I completely agree. I have, a, I have a take that you can't win the league as a goalkeeper with captain. And I've, like, purposefully avoided looking that up. And I'll just believe that that is true. <laughs> I'm sure Peter Schmeichel was probably captain of Man U, wasn't he? For years, I don't know. Never was. Was he? No. Oh, never interesting. Was. It was when, all like it was like Keane, Neville, Vidic. Um, right. Or, yeah. Mm-hmm. But um, I think we're getting shows maybe. Yeah. We're getting pretty meta here, but one thing I, I I do want to throw out there, I think lead by example, like captain by example, is a load of load of crap. I, I don't think that's a real thing. Like Maguire is neither lead by example nor lead by leadership. <laughs> but um, lead by right about, hook, I heard. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, mean the Mykonos, the Mykonos monster. Yeah. Um, like Obama Young is captain at Arsenal makes zero sense to me, and I'm I'm curious what you guys think about like, do you guys agree with that? Like, can you have a captain who leads by example versus like a traditional rally the troops, get well, into the captain, players? If the captain was Roy Keane. Right, mm-hmm. I think he did both. I think he led by example and rallied the troops. I think that's what you need a bit of both. Yeah, you know? maybe maybe I'll change it. I I don't think you can just stick the best player on your team with the captaincy and say he's no. going to lead by example. I think yeah. you got to put the most consistent player. In yeah, person's going to do a job the best, you know. And I and I think that that because that translates the managers the managers okay. ambitions onto the field a bit. The Spurs player who I think at the moment currently could be captain and be good at it is Eric Dyer. I would agree with that. I mean, mm-hmm. he he'll, he'll jump into the he'll jump into the stands for the team. I'm I, would agree. Pitch. I I would agree, but he's he's got to he's got to consistently feature in the team. I think yeah, that's been yeah. the issue. Like, but he is the only one where you're like that guy. He 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 gets he has that anger that you need a little bit. Yeah, of that. yeah. I, yeah. I, I think it, it does. Like Mourinho rates him as well. It does. It does kind of raise a bigger question though, that I and I'll be honest, like as a supporter, like I think there is kind of a bit of a lack of like who is the natural leader on this team. And I don't know. It's obviously Kane, but then you look elsewhere and you're like, who, who is that person that people rally around? And I'm not, I'm not sure. I, I think to your point, I think, I think Hoiberg coming in is, is a, I think that's why I like the signing so much. I think there's something about, he feels like he could be the heart of a team or an engine. I'm not, not saying he's the greatest player ever, but I think it's some, that quality, something we've lacked. I think I'm, I'm with you. Like if, if you can get Dyer back to where he was, I think having that kind of steel and and a little bit of grit in the team is, has been something that's been lacking for the last few years, right? And I, I think it I think it'll make a noticeable difference seeing it. I mean, even even going back a few years, having a player like Winyama in his in his top form, just having a bit of that like steel in the team has just been lacking the last few seasons. I think. And I think fans really fans really relate to that. You know, there's we know things can go wrong, especially you know uh, as much as we have. Uh, you know, as much as we lack in common, the the two North London sides do share a lot in common, and I think that you just want to see some. You want to see some identity on the field, and for for me, a captain's not. It's easy to be a captain when you're up three nil. You know, everyone, anyone could be a leader when you're up three nil. But who's who is the person that's going to you know hold things together when you go down one nil away? Like that for me is a captain. And on on a Bobby Young's point, like that's not that's not him. Honestly, I'm I'm already talking myself into just giving Jacques the armband back. But well, that's a, that's a different podcast for a different time. <laughs> so, so I just hear the name Ryan Jock and I laugh. <laughs> no, sorry, I had to. Well, no, fair enough. Fair guys, enough, guys. We are, but no, I, and I think, but I, I think there's there, it, there's also whether you, 
to me, the, the armband mean it. It doesn't matter as much. I, I take maybe a bit more of the Italian view on that. I'm like the armband. It, it, it's it's the types of players, and I think that's that's more of a thing. I think we're 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 probing at right now is that right. for the last two years, I'm not sure who that player is. Right. Whether whether right. we're debating whether Schmeichel was the captain or not doesn't matter. You know, you could have had five guys in United wear that armband in those years. The squad. That's a great point. And yeah. that and I think that's what we're. I think we're starting to see be infused in a little bit and i think i think that's that's you know what Mourinho said is like this is a squad short on confidence this is a squad that you know he keeps talking nice boys i don't want to use the show quotes but like i, I would agree with it a little bit i'm like where where is the fighter where's someone who just where's the nasty player and it, it's dire but he hasn't showed it on the field mm-hmm. right like who bleeds for it i think son is one of those players who you can tell just on effort but you know he's not yeah, I don't. I, I wouldn't. Son, Son had the most. Uh, some of these other guys do. Son had the most polite um, locker room breakdown to a red card. <laughs> I think I've ever he seen. Did, yeah, he did. Pull bugger. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. he did. Um, <laughs> yeah. So we're motoring right through our time, and I, I think okay. it's been some really, it's been some really awesome conversations. So I don't mm-hmm. want to. I'm, I'm sad to bring it to a close, but why don't we? Why don't we do this? And Mark, we'll start with you. Any any hot takes? We're, we're moving on to our little bit leave it segment, which means we are going to put you on the hook to check in mid-season on how these are developing. But okay. any hot takes for Spurs or the Premier League or other teams in general that you think are going to unfold this season? And then you can go right into your ranking or predicted order for the top four. Um, wow. Okay, couple of... Uh, all right, I think... Um, Okay, I think this might be Sun's last season at Spurs if Spurs don't win anything, and I think Sun might be the player who actually goes for 100 million. Um, I think that um, one of Harry Winks or Deli Ali will prove themselves as an England midfielder, but not both. And I think that, it has to be one, not both. Yeah, I think it, I think there's only room for one of them, to be honest. And I think that. Um, I think I think that Eric Dyer is going to prove himself to be one of the best centre backs in the country. I really do. I've, I've you know, I feel like some of his mistakes in the you know post COVID whatever. I think some of those mistakes come from the fact he wasn't getting a regular run of games. But you know, as a defensive midfielder, which he never was, dropping back into that centre back role, and as the guy who's strong, physically strong as him, who can stroke the ball around like him, I think is rare in this game. Like he's a yep. strong John Stones. I You're backing gonna, Eric Dyer. I am backing him. I think I think he's going to do it. And then in terms of my my league prediction, man, I really want to say we qualify for Europe this year. I really want to say it, but I I want to see Frank. You know, if if Fat Frank can fuck up, right? Because I hope he does. Because I hope they choke on that effing money, right? I can't I can't tell it. It's just unreal. Like I I've hope never they felt a it. closer bond to you, Mark, than I do. Yeah, right sure. So I'm saying we finish above Chelsea. I'm so happy. I think that's my prediction. I think that's my I, prediction. I so I can't, yeah, I, I, you know, if we get fourth and Chelsea get fifth, or I don't think we'll get third. I think I think the top two is done. I think that's in stone, and it will be interesting to see if Chelsea Manu can get, you know break into that top two. But I, I I think we're going for third or fourth, and I think we'll come fifth. I honestly don't mm-hmm. think we're going to make it. Can we pin you to a first through fourth? List them out. Sure. Um, for me, it would be okay. I think this year is City, Liverpool. Um, to be honest, I, I think it's Man U, and I think. Oh man, I want to say us. Heart versus I'll mind. It. I'll say Spurs. There, Get stuck. I'll in. say Spurs. I think we Back sneak yourself. in. I think we get fourth. Well, and let I'm, me just tell I you, it. It, goes to show, it goes yeah. to show the mentality of a team that is, uh, or a fan of a team that's struggling versus a fan of a team that's just like gluttonous with success. In our, in our city and Liverpool round tables, they didn't even hesitate to say, Liverpool fans, oh, Liverpool's winning the title. City fans, mm. oh, City's winning the title. So the fact you're being very bullish on a fourth place finish is, uh, sure. you know, own it. Just don't. Yeah, I mean, uh, honestly, and the other, you know, just a final prediction is, you know, I'll be happy if, if Harry Kane can get for a season without 12 weeks out with an injury. I think we've got a shot at Europe. That's it. 
And I think if he, if I think as it stands at the moment, if we don't get Harry for a full season, unlike other clubs who can cover those holes, we're not covering. Mm-hmm. We can't cover that hole. That's something we can't do. All right, Thomas. What about you? Season predictions. Where Spurs finish? What's our top four? Any uh, hot takes. Season predictions. I think I think Hoiberg turns out to be a bigger signing than people will realize. I've been banging that drum. I think he's I think he's going to tie things together uh, in a way that we we've, we've desperately needed. And I think him him coming in the side. I think as, as we've talked about at length, it frees up Winks to do what he does best. There's a chance that Ndombele gets in the side. It gives Lucelso freedom. Um, and we didn't even talk about Sissoko. I don't know where the poor guy fits in, but I think I think Hoiberg in there starts to. Things start to build around him, and I think if he comes good, I think Spurs have a good shot. I agree with Kane. I I, I thought one of the one of the benefits of, uh, you know, uh, Project Restart. All this is is actually Kane usually is is slow to start. We have him. He gets hurt. He mm. comes back. I'm actually hopeful that he can come off firing. Um, I think we're gonna unearth some youngsters. Uh, like I, I've talked briefly of, of like Jetson playing at right wing back. I think Europa League is actually gonna be good to get a new uh, new generation of Spurs players. And I think it's been a while since we've had a lot of youth bleed through. I think the amount of fixtures we have this year is going to be beneficial in that. Um, and it's a competition we don't we should take seriously, but might not in the earlier rounds. So I think good good time for players. So those are those are on, on the Spurs and top four. I think City takes it back this year. I think Liverpool have just been at such such heavy metal football for so long. I think I think it's just going to be hard for them to maintain it. Um, I do think they're still obviously going to be really good, so they're they're going to round out the top four. I, I, I honestly could see United sneaking in in a second. I, I really I really rate Fernandez. I, I think Pogba not having to do everything now is going to get you the most out of him. So I think they could be very dangerous. Chelsea, I mean, they've loaded up, and I, I think the only way we get in top four, and I think my heart says we're going to get in. My head, I'm debating, but I agree. It's it's if Lampard. Uh, if that fairy tale first season of him turns out to be a bit of a fluke, I think that's our way in. Uh, I think you know, and, and I agree. I, I I can't stand Chelsea, so I I hope they they screw it up. I I just think United. I, I actually like Ole and what he's doing, so I think they they're the better of the two, um, or the less likely to bottle it this year. And I think if if, if we want to get in, it's going to come at the expense of Chelsea. I hundred percent agree with that. But I think United could could it could be a Manchester top two this year. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we, Thanks, we're, we're so funny so funny on this <laughs> podcast a lot of good jokes a lot of good jokes uh great any in uh any anything for a little bit leave it thomas any outlandish predictions i have one for spurs which i actually think you guys will like <laughs> i came up with it patrick's gonna send us home on this one <laughs> i mean i don't know if it's outlandish but i think we've got a good chance to win uh to win in europe this year yeah that was actually my my takes i think that that um spurs get into the champions league and they don't finish in the top four. That is my take. I think they're Ooh. I think they're putting something in the trophy cabinet. He did it at uh, he did it at United. Mourinho did. I think Spurs are a good tournament team. They have experience pretty recently in that. And I I think Mourinho's a good tournament coach. To be just flat out with it. So it's a tournament they can win. And I Proof do think that, that they Leipzig, have yeah. their first team first team quality to kind of mm. to kind of get to get in there. And it's a it's a it's a good emotional hedge for me. So. Yeah. Uh-huh. You know, uh-huh. works on a lot of different. Does levels. it not hurt to see us win Europa League as an Arsenal fan? It would, yeah, it would. That's why. But, so, but he gets to say that he's right. Yeah, I'm right and in pain, or I am wrong. And let's be real, I'll have so many mother takes in the meantime. People are going to forget about this one, <laughs> and I'll just go ahead. Spurs won't win, and I won't be held accountable. So, <laughs> well, I've, got to, I've got to say, your prediction might come true because after a Harry Kane G up talk at the beginning, anything is possible. That's yeah, what I've learned. That's yeah. right. That's right. Yeah. Get stuck in lads. Come on. Yeah. On, paper, on. on paper with a better team. Sevilla. Let's go. Prep to the prep, boys. Yeah, let's do it. Yeah, come on. So, so let's get out let's get out there, lads. Let's get out there and show them what we're about. Yeah. Oh man. Uh, we could go on and on like this. Pat, you want to send us out? I'm glad I'm just glad we got some Berbatov in. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, it was it was it was good fun. Um, good banter as always. Uh, Mark, thanks for coming back. Thomas, pleasure to have you on. I don't even think the fans are going to notice the technical difficulties we had throughout, uh-uh. uh, but we will. Uh-uh. We will have you back um, to, to to see what happened with these little bit leave it takes later in the season. Some say Mark even uh, was 
you know, unintentionally founded the segment with his luster take of a year ago. So we will be sure to have you back in. Uh, but again, guys, thank you. One. You should have pulled yeah. Mark, don't break my heart with that song take. That that made me actually sad. That's the that's the other emotional hedge there. You know, the, the different way to go about it. But again, thanks, guys. A lot of fun. And uh, yeah, cheers. Good thanks. luck to Spurs. Lot, and guys. as much earnest as I can say this year. Thank you, guys. Thank you, guys. It's been a pleasure. Thanks, guys. All right. Bye-bye.